Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I think what I would like to do is begin the program by checking in on somebody who we have not checked in on on quite some time. I mean, he will make an appearance every once in a while and we'll have something to talk about, but nothing like this. He went back to doing what he does best. He's back on brand. I'm talking about the text slinger. Have not checked in with the text slinger in a while. You know, that guy. Mr. Wrangler Jeans, Mr. Dong Picks. Don't get mad at me. He's the one who repeatedly sent images of his genitalia to a 26-year-old reporter. Multiple images, multiple times, well-documented. If anyone is wondering what that creep is up to, I've got an update. And surprise, surprise, mother bleepers, it's not good. Not good. Below not good. Below not good. In fact, really, really bad. Because apparently Brett Favre's Mississippi fraud scheme has reached a boiling point this week. As in the point where he gets boiled alive by pretty much all of social media. And deservedly so. For months, the text slinger has been wrapped up in a controversy surrounding misappropriated welfare funds in his beloved home state of Mississippi, a state that he apparently loves just enough to rob blind, allegedly. Because allegedly, Favre and the former governor, Phil Bryant, conspired to divert $5 million in welfare funds to build a new volleyball facility at the University of Southern Mississippi. As always, at least it was a good reason. Five mil, a.k.a. his alma mater, a.k.a. the school where his daughter was attending, a.k.a. is a member of the volleyball team. Like I said, these accusations are bad, really bad. And the reason it's blowing up all over again is because, wait for it, you know it's coming. That's right. Some more controversial Brett Favre texts. The text slinger is at it again. As part of this civil lawsuit related to these misappropriated funds, a batch of texts was made available to the public this week, and the controversy around them basically boils down to this text from the text slinger himself. He thumbed out the following. Quote, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? End of text. And if it isn't already obvious, the text slinger did indeed get paid and the media did indeed find out. Uh-oh! How dumb is this guy? How criminal is this guy? Quote, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? Bad enough to think it. Bad enough to put yourself in that position. Bad enough to act on that. But... Considering who this guy is and what he once went through with his phone, can you imagine texting that out? I can't decide if that's more stupid or evil. Or evil. The quick answer is yes. I mean, Favre, of all people, should know that text messages never stay private. The text slinger of all people should have learned his lesson about sending self-incriminating texts. Yet here we are. Yet here we are talking about another outrageous text scandal. Here the bleep here we, we are. are. Here the f- we are. And like the one before it, and unlike the one before it, 
but like the one before it, it's another disgusting act. That is a disgusting act. Those welfare funds obviously were intended for the very poorest residents of Mississippi, who are some of the very poorest residents of the entire country. There are a lot of people in Favre's home state who desperately need the help, the government's help, his help, anybody's help. It's a state whose largest city and capital is in the midst of a devastating water crisis just as we speak. 150,000 people have been without drinking water for over six weeks now, and there's no end in sight for them. A state. This is the state. And these are the people that the text slinger decided to rip off. And for what? For who? To build a volleyball stadium, allegedly. We're talking about a guy who made 137 mil in salary alone during his never-ending NFL career. And yet somehow their native son decided to swipe five mil more, allegedly, in welfare funds from the most desperate people in his own state. And for what? To build a volleyball facility for his alma mater, for his daughter, allegedly. Never in my life have I ever wanted to use the term allegedly and have it be legit more than I do right now. Like, this bleep better be alleged. It better be alleged as opposed to factual, because if not, it is so far beyond idiotic or pathetic or disgusting. If true, you text slinger myopians, you're going to have to find yourselves another hero, because if this is true, this dude is just another horrible scumbag. You know how bad this is? Jeff Perlman, who wrote a book about the text slinger, was taking a blowtorch to this dude on Twitter and literally telling the entire world, don't buy my book. Don't buy my book that I wrote on the text slinger because this dude is not who I thought he was. And if I knew this about him, there's no way in hell I would have spent five seconds with this guy. And knowing my dude Jeff Perlman, and I'm a big Perlman guy, it's a big Jeff Perlman house. Knowing my dude, I'm surprised he didn't have a gigantic book-burning rally. Burning. A book that he himself wrote. A book that he himself is telling everybody not to buy or read. Pretty incredible. But hopefully somebody, in the very least, has snatched this idiot's phone away from him. Because at this rate, slinging texts is going to land the text slinger not in a pair of Wranglers, but in an orange jumpsuit. Imagine my man in one of those commercials rolling around in the mud, slinging it around in anklets, handcuffs, and an orange jumpsuit. Just like this dude believed that he could make every single throw, he somehow thinks that he can thumb out every single text. Man, you never know which way it's going to go when an NFL legend retires, but did anybody ever see it going sideways? This far sideways for this guy. I mean, there's still Packer fans out there who think that this guy should start over Aaron Rodgers this week. There are still myopians that believe that. There really are. I mean, look at this dude. I'm not saying the transition is easy from on the field to off. In fact, Eric Wood and I will have that conversation in hour number three. But look at what's happened to this dude. From gunslinger to Text slinger to welfare swindler. From being able to make every single throw on the field to hoodwinking every single citizen in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, I don't know. Seems to me Jared, Hutch, Shanks, Homeslice, and What's-His-Face are not coming to bail you out of this one. They're Come not on, fueling up the jet. Come on, I don't think there's going to be any Dilla hunt over this one. I mean, I thought it was bad when he led the NFL in career interceptions, but now he leads the state of miss in deceptions. Woo! Like my dude, when he was on the field, he loved to take risks. 
but it was to win. Now it's to get over on poor people. What, orphans? Cancer victims weren't enough of a challenge? Maybe elderly folks' retirement funds? Can't wait till Stacy Keach shows up with American Greed so they can do a feature, an ep, on the text slinger. <laughs> Tiger Woods voicemail is laughing at your text getting leaked, brah. Hey, it's, uh, it's Tiger. Hey, it's, uh, the text slinger. Hey. Like I said, Brett could make any throw. Now he can get any volleyball stadium built without having to, oh. Listen, I love my kid. I love both my kids. But, you know, Logan still plays baseball. If Logan Rome, a.k.a. Rogan Lome, were to play ball in college, I, I would love to spend the jack to get that school new dugouts. I would. However, I am not going to defraud the homeless to do so. The Varsity Blues scandal thinks that you lack standards. So I've got a question for you guys. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Well, Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said 48 hours. Generally, if something seems too good to be true, it is, but not in this case. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick and it's easy to use, especially when you're on the move. Also, Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it does protect it. You want that. You need that. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel all day. You literally were stealing from, defrauding, ripping off people who are of the most desperate straits, and for what? Volleyball? This, this was for your daughter to play volleyball. Like, I don't care if your kid is the next Karch Karai or the next Steve Timmons. The hell are you, Gabby Reese? The hell are you doing? Congrats, Brett. You pulled another miracle. I don't know how you did it, but you managed to make those dong picks, those dong pick texts, the second worst texts ever sent in the history of communication. From rocket arm to racketeer. You know what it seems to me? Seems to me old Brett got caught with his pants down. Pants on the ground! You myopians, save it, man. Save it. Save it. Save it. Save it. Don't come at me with get off his back. Save it. If this is true, I mean, we're talking about ripping funds from the people who need them most of all and for who? For what? For a volleyball stadium and to put money in your own pocket when you already made hundreds of millions of dollars. Let me ask you something, Brett. Did Percy tell you to do that too? I told Percy I'd do this. Not I don't think Percy said, hey, you know what we should do? We should divert funds designed and earmarked for welfare recipients so your daughter can play volleyball in a new house. I told Percy I'd do this. Yeah, if Percy told you to jump off a bridge, would you? Come on, Jim. Come on, Brett! Incredible. 1-800-636-8686. I never thought that I would start it. Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. I take it back. I knew this day would come at some point. It was inevitable. The JT is strong, isn't it? Jungle Tourette's. Thank you, Alvy. Thank you very much. 
All right. So in addition to that, did buy Sarver, Robert Sarver, a little bit of time. Otherwise, I would have started there. So he bought himself at least a segment or two. But I'll get there as well. Not a very good day for the commissioner of the NBA. Not a very good day for the NBA itself. I'll have that for you. 1-800-636-8686. Also, love that game tonight. Love, love the Chargers and the Chiefs. Last look, it was LA plus four. Of course, it is the first ever Amazon game. And I know some of our listeners, hell, some of my employees are old and they're not going to know what to do when they turn their TV on and they can't find that game. You imagine Ritt and all his friends, you know, the over 85 group. By the way, where are you, Ritt? Imagine them gathering around the old Zenith, the old black and white TV, clicking around, clicking around with their TV dinners and those little wooden tray things that stand in front of them, got their Salisbury steak working, trying to find the game. Changing the channels with a knob. Well, hey, where's the football game? Where's Thursday Night Football? Let's go Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 5, Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 11, Channel 13. Damn it, where's the game? Let's suggest those rabbit ears. Let me get up on the roof. Where's the ladder? Where's the game? Is this UHF or VHF? Imagine those geriatrics trying to find that game tonight. On Prime Video, I'll get there. Had an amazing conversation with a Pulitzer Prize winner, Buzz Bissinger, yesterday on the Jim Rohn Podcast. So good that I want to give you a preview of that. Something I meant to get to yesterday, which I did not get to, was TB45. And the fact that the story between he and his wife and his family starting to hit the tabloids and why I've done my very best to steer clear of that, but, but... It's hit the tabloids. It's like, it's a thing. Can't really ignore it, so I'm going to try and reset that. And as I mentioned, we've got a couple of good interviews. One quick bit of reaction before I go to break. Hey, Rome, we would like to send our official invitation to Brett Favre and welcome him to our prestigious society. Yours, the Peace of Crap Club. Eric in Castle Rock. It was from a better time. Eric, you know how people say, like, life and the time back then was just better? Like, I don't want to be that guy and say, you know, everything was better back then. And in some ways, most things were better back then, but I'm not that guy. Always forward, never back. Always forward, never back. And the whole point of my reinvention project and my reinvention mission is to make sure that the next 25 years of my life are my best 25. So I'm not going to be that guy. I will not be a hypocrite. However, I will say there are certain aspects of this show that certainly were better back in the day. They just were because we could do crap back then that we could never do right now, right? For instance, the piece of crap club. I really can't do that now, but I did then. And if I could do it now, Favre would be in right now already. He would skip the mandatory five-hour waiting period and go right in. First ballot piece of crap club recipient. If this is all true. Hey, Jim, as a resident of Jackson, Mississippi, I've been keeping up with this story for months now. I'm glad it's finally starting to get some national attention. Let me start by saying this. Favre should have been an original member of your piece of crap club. Let me stop right there. That's two piece of crap club references back to back. That's incredible. He goes on, and I quote, Favre has always been this guy. And in regards to our former governor and others involved in this, it's ironic that they're caught up in it as well for no other reason than they're a bunch of jock sniffers. If not for Favre's name being attached to this story, it would have been swept under Mississippi's political rug already. Todd and Jackson. Good news for you, Todd. That's not happening. And I'm doing my part. 
I led the show with it. Right, so that's somebody in Jackson. Somebody in Jackson, Mississippi saying, this is not a surprise to us. This is who this guy's always been. Jackson? Romy, this reminds me of the Eddie D bribery deal with the L.A. or Louisiana Gov, except worse. Effing over poor people. WTF. Rick and Chico. Now, it, it takes either a special brand of scumbag or he's as broke as the people he ripped off. He's definitely broke morally. He's broke ethically. I don't know what his bank account looks like. This is bad stuff, though. Total Big E writes, quote, Come on, Jared! Come on, Jared! Jared. Let's build a volleyball court! Come on, Jared! Let's build my daughter a volleyball court. Come on, Jared. Yours, Brett. Dear Jim, thank you for bringing to attention the impoverished conditions of Mississippi. Quite ironic of Brett Favre to steal from a state welfare fund when he and his political buddies have built their careers on bashing people less fortunate for alleged welfare abuse. That son of a bitch needs to be indicted. Yeah, what do you know, Brett? People are really angry. You know why? You're a big scumbag. You know, we could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, like how they require minimums, and worse yet, how the rewards flat out expire. Or we could talk about how with Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, you want to talk about amazing. And now that we've talked about that, why don't we get back to doing what we do best, talking some junk and talking sports. You know, what we do, where we live, who we are. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms to apply. Eric Wood is my guest. Eric, what's going on, dude? How are you? I'm doing great. How you doing, brother? Good, good, Eric. It's great to hear your voice. First things first, you are a first-time author. I'm so proud of you. Talk to me about that first. What was it like for you to write your first book? Well, there's some imposter syndrome that you got to get over. That's first and foremost, and I hear about that all the time on the, the reinvention podcast, uh, podcast and how you get over that because I could think back of many teammates of mine or people I know that haven't published a book yet, yourself included, uh, that I'm waiting on. But for me, I just feel like through my transition out of the NFL, and I told the story at detail on your podcast, but through my transition out of the NFL that I didn't expect because of a, uh, because of a neck injury, I had got so much great advice from people and had got so much valuable experience that I wanted to pass those lessons along along because there are so many people out there that don't get that, but they're always in a period of transition. So for me, this is my way of trying to give back and serve others. All right, so Eric, so one thing I want to be real clear about, like I, I so respect what you just said that you told me this story in great detail on my podcast. Like you're really smart like that. You remember the conversation you had with me. I want you to understand there are people listening that have not heard that because the audiences are different. So you should say whatever you want to say. And you're right. I've not written a book. This is why I'm so curious about you and the fact that you did write your book. I've thought about this for a while. I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm curious. What was the process like for you to write the book? For instance, did you set aside an hour or two every single day? Did you lock yourself in your room for a few months? How did this come to be? What was your process for writing the book? So it was about a year-long process. And so first it became detailing out what each individual chapter was going to be. A lot of these chapters were fueled by certain podcast um, guests that I had on my podcast, what I learned from them, maybe from a mentor that I had in life, maybe from a coach that I hired. And through all that, I sculpted these chapters, and then I would go back and listen to the podcast, pull different parts, pull the lesson out, supplement with some stories from my playing experience. And so um, it, was, it was basically a year-long journey of little bits at a time, going back and mapping that out. I worked with a guy that helped me write it, um, and we worked hand-in-hand hand together on it. And ultimately, it was a fun project. Um, but, but like anything, it's a learning experience. And if you haven't written a book before, there's so much that comes at you that, you know, you just didn't know this or that the editing process, once you read it five times, I think everybody is through uh, people I've talked to get to the point where you're like, man, is this even any good? But many books, 
uh, aren't good the fifth time you wrote them, especially if they're your own stories. So uh, I am excited about getting it in print, though, and getting it in the hands of people. Really interesting. Eric Wood is joining us. All right, so let's talk about something like in the book, for instance. Life, Eric, as you know, will punch you in the face, all of us. It has before. It will again. And I want to be very honest. I feel like there are times in my life, Eric, where I was prepared for it, and I shook it off pretty easily. And then there were other times where I felt like I had not done the necessary training, or maybe I dropped my hands, and I just got cold cocked. What is the best way to summon or maintain resilience and toughness when adversity does hit? Because you know it will. It always does. Yeah, so it's all about having a foundation in your life. And and that foundation is built on your core values. It's built on your routines. It's built on your habits. And it's in the title. It's built on stacking wins. I am so big on stacking wins each and every day. And it could be small things. It could be taking the kids to school. It could be making your family dinner if that's in your core values. Or if you're simply chasing business success, Find wins each and every day because these storms in life are going to happen. I've, I've heard it from people before. You're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or about to head into one in life. And so get ready for it. It is coming. And all throughout that, you have to be resilient. You have to stick to what you know sets you up for success. And that's different for each and every person. But to have your vision, to have your core values at the center, then you can know where you need to stack wins in your own life. Eric Wood is joining us. His book is called What's Next? Own Your Own Story, Stack Wins, and Achieve Your Goals in Business and Life. It is available for pre-order right now. In fact, Eric, what about that? How would they get the book by pre-ordering, and what's the process involved? Yeah, so you can either go to ericwoodmedia.com slash book, order it through there, or you can simply go on Amazon and type in Tackle What's Next or type in Eric Wood, and it'll pop up that way. All right, so obviously there's so much more to the book, and I could keep going and going on this, and we can, we will, and you and I will speak again about other things. I know the mafia would be very upset if I did not get into the Bills and their opener against the Rams. You're working with the team once again from a broadcast standpoint. If we were to go back to Thursday night when the Bills cracked the Rams in their house, I know it's only one game, Eric, but what kind of a statement did the Bills make with the way they won that game, and especially after the way their season ended last year with the so-called 13 seconds? Yeah, it was a big-time statement. You go into the defending Super Bowl champions' house where the defending Super Bowl champions in that opening game are sitting at 10-5 and historically, and and you see this roster that the Bills have built, and they add pieces like Von Miller in the offseason and Daquan Jones from the Titans on their defensive line and Roger Sample on the offensive line. They add all these pieces, but you wonder, will it be enough to get them over the hump this year? And it's only one game. But they go in and they trounce the Rams in in a dominating fashion. I mean, you're talking about a game where the Bills had seven sacks and the Rams only gave up 31 on the season last year. So the Bills have seven sacks in that game and zero punts. In three out of the last four regular season games, and I, I think back since 1966 when they started tracking this, the Bills haven't punted in three of their last four regular season games, and that has never happened. This team is completely dominant. They just ran into a, you know, a mental air in Kansas City and, and let that game get away with them, or else I think they were on pace with a collision course with that Lombardi trophy. But through week one, this team, this seems to be a team on a mission. They have pro bowlers and all pro players across the board. I believe the only two position groups on the Bills without a pro bowler would be tight end and running back, and they just gave Dawson Knox their tight end, top five tight end money to stick around for four more years. So, Super talented team that's driven, seems to have a big-time chip on their shoulder. They're led by their hungry quarterback, Josh Allen. They're led by Stephon Diggs, who might play with a bigger chip than anyone in the NFL. Von Miller still has to prove that he's still got it. He has two sacks in the first game. So, so far, so good for the Bills. Nailed it. Eric Wood joining us. Eric, one more thought. You know, We talked about, you mentioned this, but you retired after your neck injury, and you were just 32. Somehow Tom Brady is still out there at 45, something we've never seen in that sport, maybe in any sport. Can you relate, and we don't know exactly what's going on, Eric, but you know, it seems to be there's something. Can you relate to what appears to be Brady going through, trying to balance his love of the sport with his responsibilities at home? Yeah, that's a tough one. And and for me, when I when my career ended, I, my daughter was only two and a half years old. That was our rhythm of life. That's what my wife was used to, and and it worked well for us. But for everyone, especially when your kids get older and you're constantly moving them schools, and there's a certain amount of travel involved and everything else, and you're gone constantly. And a guy like Brady, 
and I'd like to consider myself uh, similar, but I don't think anybody has ever sacrificed more uh, to the game of football than Tom Brady. And I say that because he structures his entire year around winning a Super Bowl. So let's say the Buccaneers don't make the playoffs this year, or let's say they get bounced in the first round. He will still train through the Super Bowl so that he is peaking his body at the, the date of the Super Bowl each and every year. That being said, he takes so much away from his family time. And maybe Giselle sitting at home thinking, you know, I, I thought we were going to have a normal family by now. And TB can't give it up, but I don't blame him. When you leave the league in passing yards last year, you leave the league in downfield throwing at 45 years old, why would you quit playing? You know what? I, I don't blame either one of them. I think you're right. Like, he's still on top of his game. He's still playing at an MVP level. He still loves it. And I guarantee she's probably saying, all right, well, what about me? When is it my time? When is it our time? When are you going to come home? You said you were going to stay home, and now you're gone already. I wonder. So really quickly, Eric, what about, like, you talk about he trained his body. He worked this whole thing for an entire year to get to this point. Once you stop playing, do you still have that same thing? Like, how important is movement to you now? It's extremely important. And so for me, I don't feel like I fully wake up in a day till I get some movement in. We talked about this. Uh, when you came on my podcast about how you're an after-work kind of workout guy. Well, I was so used to my whole life getting a workout in the morning, then you hit meetings, then you go to practice a little bit later in the day. So for me, uh, movement's extremely important. I had six lower body surgeries when I was playing in the NFL. I did drop from 310 pounds to about 250, which has helped the joints. But for me, uh, motion is lotion, and, and movement has been medicine for me to keep my body feeling good, and I try and stay as active as possible. But, man – you talk about a guy like Tom Brady, and he does, a, he does a great job of not taking that many hits. Besides his ACL injury earlier in his career, he hasn't had a bunch of big injuries. But, man, I, I can't imagine at 45 years old how I'd feel waking up on a Monday morning after a game. Well, that's the truth, but he does get it out quickly. He does get it out quickly. It's going to be interesting this year with that offensive line. Eric Wood is a former Buffalo Bills center. He is a former pro bowler. He has a tremendous podcast, What's Next with Eric Wood, and now an author. He's got his own book called Own Your Own Story. What's Next? Own Your Own Story. Tackle What's Next, I should say, Eric. Sorry about that. I'm trying to get it in before the end of the segment. Great to have you on the show. Really appreciate that. Great job with the book. I know we'll do it again soon. I appreciate it. Anytime, brother. Clones, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky, shriveled, dry, and tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and it's tasty. It's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors that satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Francis Tiafu is my guest. Francis, it is great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Good. So let me ask you, you electrified so many people with that amazing run to the semis of the U.S. Open recently. And I say that because many, many of those you electrified already knew you and your story, but many were seeing you for the first time. You called it the greatest two weeks of your life. Has it all sunk in? And what was your biggest takeaway from that experience? Uh, just, I mean, just the impact of, you know, diversity in sports. Um, you know, I think, I think me doing well, I mean, definitely changed the uh, – I mean, I, think, I definitely got a lot of good fans in that week uh, in tennis, um, which, which, is, which is great. You know, I love the game of tennis, and I want new fans. I want, to, I want the game to keep evolving. You see, you see, the, you see what Serena has done for the last 20-plus years, and, you know, how she was, you know, her ratings in these matches were, you know, almost four, four or five million, um, you know, breaking numbers. And, and seeing that I could do that impact also as well, you know, having – so many people come to these matches. So that was the biggest takeaway for me. 
you know, to that point, Francis, you, I'm curious, how important is it to you to know that you are, in fact, a role model, that you're inspiring young people of color to pick up a racket and pick up the sport? How does that feel, and is that one of your goals? That was always one of my goals, yeah. And I think now I'm finally on the, finally, you know, do something to, 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 to take that message. Um, but, you know, with my story and, and everything else, I, I don't, you know, nothing's impossible, right? But, you know, that dedication to do anything great in life. And, and again, you know, I, you know, for me, obviously, I would love, you know, people to pick up the racket, you know, people of color to pick up the racket because of me, but, you know, I just want people of color to, to want to be successful in whatever, you know, whatever avenue they go to because of watching me, whether they become, you know, doctors, lawyers, whatever the case may be, but um, I just want them to catch inspiration out there. You know, Francis, the U.S. Open to me, and I love the game, I love the sport, but that tourney and that major especially are unlike any other because of the energy of Flushing Meadow. It's just so different, especially if you get the crowd behind you the way they were. Can you explain what that energy feels like when you're on the court? Because unless you've been there, just watching it on TV or online could never, ever do it justice. You almost, you almost can't. You almost can't believe it. And the cool thing about tennis, right? You got twenty thousand people in there watching, two people, um, even your opponent, and, and it's, just, it's just unbelievable. And the, the crowd, like if they're behind you, it's, it's nothing like it. You feel like you get this rough, and you feel like you're invincible, and you know you just want to compete so hard for them and give them what they want, and keep you winning. It gave me a lift. I felt like my game elevated to new heights because of them behind me. You know, I wanted to you know, keep going, keep doing well, and uh, it, it's almost it almost feels like an earthquake every time they're uh, you know they're it's, You know, the crowd is erupting, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable. Have you been? Yes, I have. It's amazing. It's like it's yeah. you. You have to go to explain it. the The energy is unlike any 100%. event that I've ever been to, any tennis yeah. match I've ever been to. In fact, I want to ask you, Francis, because your parents, your story is amazing, but not everybody knows it. Your parents came from the country of Sierra Leone, and your parents gave up so much for you to be in the position you're in right now. I will tell you this. I did play tennis here in Southern California growing up, and I remember the junior circuit really, really well. I remember how freaky those kids were who were nationally ranked, even in their teens. I don't think the average listener can begin to comprehend the commitment and the talent that you have to be ranked in the top 20 in the world, but then especially where you came from. I mean, you came up with hand-me-down rackets, hand-me-down shoes, hand-me-down clothes. I mean, it's mind-blowing. What kind of thoughts were running through you as you walked off the court after beating Rafa Nadal, one of the greatest ever at the U.S. Open? Yeah, that, that was definitely my arrived moment. and it, it was just, I felt like the world stopped. You know, when I first when I Felt like my top of the world because the whole journey, you know, sleeping at sleeping at tennis centers, as my dad went through the night and seeing a maintenance worker and play tennis for free. Like, you know, I mean, all the sacrifices I get, all, all I see, you know, hanging out with friends, just walking tennis and just being so obsessed. With, Having them there, see that moment, see me being off on the ball, you know, I, that was a that was such a moment. Francis, I mentioned at the very top that you're partnering with BetterHelp. I want to say it. I can hear, you can hear me better than I can hear you. We don't have a great phone line, but I want to make sure we get this in as well before you go. You are partnering with BetterHelp. It's the world's largest therapy platform. What are you doing with the folks there, and what is that program all about? Yeah, I I'm a big supporter of myself, man. I'm a big supporter of my device. I think that is about a physical thing. I think growing up, a lot of people, you know, tell you, a lot of people are afraid to be vulnerable, but that's not what the culture is. You know, like when you get kicked out, you know, kind of suck it up, man. Up. Um, when you complain, you know, and you poke your, you know, tough face, kind of like man up and just keep moving. But uh, it's hard. You know, a lot of people don't feel a lot of different things, and uh, I don't get so afraid to be vulnerable. Which I think, you know, holding all that, all that weight, on you, constantly turning you down. Um, I think a lot of people now being able to feel vulnerable, being able to feel like they can, a safe place, being able to feel like you know, 
they can get these things over just move forward and have to handle these problems and then, you know, elevate their lives. It's so big. I think the mental part is, is everything. No doubt. Let me jump in. I, I hate to do it. That's I I wanted that very badly. I'd been looking forward to that. Francis Tiafo, my guest. I frankly have been looking forward to that for quite some time, and it's too bad we could not establish a better connection because that's an amazing story. And at the very end, I, I could hear what he was trying to say about how it's not just a matter of like when you're having problems, you can't just man up. You can't just play through it. So I've got a question for you guys. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Well, Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said 48 hours. Generally, if something seems too good to be true, it is, but not in this case. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick and it's easy to use, especially when you're on the move. Also, Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it does protect it. You want that. You need that. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel all day. Somebody hit me up on the Ask the Pros and said, hey, Jim, what's a better sandwich? Your sandwich at Ike's or Sam's to go? And I said, nothing against Merdad, but obviously my sandwich at Ike's. Ike's, which is an amazing sandwich shop, named a sandwich after a number of athletes and other name people. They gave me my own sandwich. I had no idea. Like, they didn't call up and say, hey, yo, we're thinking about this. I just started to get calls back in the day saying, hey, Rome, you know, there's this sandwich store in Berkeley, and you have your own sandwich. I'm like, oh, hell yes. That is awesome. Like, I didn't go to a test kitchen and try out different breads and condiments and meats and veggies. No, 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 no. That, that pastrami is too fatty. No, no, no. It needs to be leaner. More mustard, less mayo. There was none of that. I hate peppers, man. Don't put any peppers on that thing. Is that wheat bread? Hell no. No, Ike's just did this, and the sandwich is incredible. And it's, it's actually an amazing honor. And I've never met the owner. I don't, I don't know anything. I get nothing out of it, except that they're paying homage to me, and it feels awesome. There's your setup. Let's go to the phones. Bobby in the Bay Area. Bobby, what's going on? How are you? Hello, Joan. This is... I'm a first-time caller, but I'm a long-time listener. And yesterday, I'm a driver. I'm a Class A driver. I was on the road, and I'm listening to you. And you mentioned this sandwich shop, or Ike's Sandwiches, the number 65. So I put in my search along the route, nearest Ike's Sandwich Shop. I go in there, and I get the number 65, the Jim Rome. And I'm just going to tell you, that sandwich was straight fire with lettuce turkey cheddar cheese mayo ice red pesto sauce and of course i had to put my little touch to it extra pickles extra onion and that was fire bombastic food porn my man That's bobby rack him alvy he just said it rack him bombastic food porn do you know what he nailed there's something about that sando that's amazing actually well, the entire sando is amazing. But the thing about the sando that's amazing is that pesto sauce that he mentioned. The pesto is fire. I love that story so much. That's a guy saying, I've been listening. I've always listened. I've never called. I'm a driver. I heard you talking about it. It sounded good. I put Ike's in my search. I found it. I ordered the 65, and it was fire. It was bombastic. And I added to it. The amazing thing is, hey, Chalk, you there? Can you pick this up real quick? So when I first heard about Ike's, I thought that it was only like a one or two store operation. And then incredibly enough, I found out there's one in Newport Beach, not far from where I live, which is incredible. But the fact of the matter is, this is not a mom pa, is it? There's a lot of these stores. Crazy. They're like in six states. I was just reading you the locations in California alone. There might be 40 stores in California alone. Dude, shut all up, up and down about the coast. that. 
Are they that big now? They're apparently that big now. I had where? no idea either. Like where in California? I know no, Newport Beach. I know along, Berkeley. Like everywhere from NorCal all the way down here, all along the coast, everywhere around the Bay Area. I mean, there are probably 10 locations in the Bay Area alone. That That is amazing. All right, thanks for that. So you're probably wondering, your clones are like, so what do you do, Rome? Hey, you D-bag, what do you do, Rome? Do you go hang out in Ike's and eat your sandwich and hope that somebody recognizes you? The answer is no, I don't do that. I don't do that. But you know what? I should. I should. They named a Sando after me. I mean, what do you want me to do? Go into Ike's and order the Marshawn Lynch Sando, which is probably awesome. I'm in some really good company. So they clearly started in the Bay Area because I'm looking at the list right now. A lot of the guys that have sandwiches are no cows or bald in no cow. Mad Bum has a Sando. Matt Cain has a Sando. Hunter Pence has a Sando. Steph Curry has a Sando. Marshawn Lynch. I think Damon Bruce has a Sando, right? So clearly the company is about no-cal athletes, broadcasters. I wonder, my man Tommy T must, right? I don't know. Maybe yet. Maybe not. Maybe not. Of course, I'm going to get my sandwich. Do you expect me to go into Ike's and order the Paul Rubin? I'm not doing that. So, big shout out to Ike's. Because this is not a new development. That Sando has been in existence for years. And I've only gone in a couple of times. But there is one in Newport Beach. Newport Beach real estate is not cheap. So they are killing it. They're just tearing it up. I'd order a Steph Curry. I'm not getting the Paul Rubin. But Steph Curry. Let's go to L.A. Matt in L.A. I have no idea where he's been, but it's good to see him. What's going on with you, dude? Romulus James from Gardena to Greensville. You're welcome. Felt the need to call because I've been stopped in L.A. by a few of the Jim Rome fans, a.k.a. clones, coming up to the legend that is Matt in L.A. and saying that the pimp was looking for me. So I figured on the heels of the Dodgers, you don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Absolutely incredible. All right, so I don't know what the most amazing thing about that is. A, that Matt in L.A. ended up on Francis's phone somehow. B, that we missed Matt in L.A. as much as we did. I never thought that would start another hour with this, but let's go back to the right-hand arm man woman. Got to get there. Somehow, V. Stiviano and the Donald Sterling fiasco and that insane audio recording and that even crazier Barbara Walters' interview are all extremely relevant once again. I'm Mr. Sterling's right-hand arm, man. I'm Mr. Sterling everything. I'm his confidant, his best friend, his silly rabbit. His what? His silly rabbit. His silly rabbit? Yes. Is that what he calls you? No. I call myself. All right, so the reason that's relevant once again, that was the last time an NBA owner went down in flames. Suns owner Robert Sarver, however, avoided that same fate this week. Why? Well, for one reason, he does not have a V. Stiviano or a silly wabbit. Not that we know of. Not yet. I'm Mr. Sterling's right-hand arm. He does not have a right-hand arm man woman. Silly wabbit. His what? You see, V. Stiviano and that recording of Donald Sterling was the smoking gun in the debacle, the public proof, the viral outrage. Pretty much the biggest reason why Sterling got run for life. I am banning Mr. Sterling for life. 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 
Sterling got banned life. for life. For life. life. And I'm life. actually quoting and citing NBA Commissioner Adam Silver here. He got banned for life. For life. For quote. For sentiments contrary to the principles of inclusion and respect that form the foundation of our diverse, multicultural, and multi-ethnic league. End of quote. So that was the standard. That was the silver standard. And I agreed with that standard. I still agree with that standard. I hope we could all agree with that standard. The problem is, apparently, the standard isn't the standard. Because that standard, apparently, went right out the window this week. Again, Donald Sterling got banned for life. And Adam Silver made it pretty clear. The fact that he was an owner only, quote, heightens the damage and my personal outrage. End of quote. So Silver said that he would do everything in his power to strip Sterling of that team, which is exactly what ended up happening. Now, I set all of that up for a very important reason. Because what he said then does not sound like what he said yesterday. In fact, it sounds very different than the song that he was singing yesterday. I don't have the right to take away his team. I don't want to rest on that neat legal point because, of course, there could be a process to take away someone's team in this league. It's very involved. And I ultimately made the decision that it didn't rise to that level. But to me, the consequences are severe here on Mr. Sarver. Reputationally, it's hard to even make those comparisons to somebody who commits an inappropriate act in the workplace in somewhat of an anonymous fashion versus what is a, a huge public issue now around this person. So the, there's no neat answer here. He, obviously, that wasn't. What kind of an answer was that? Nothing like he was saying a few years back. I mean, say what you want about Adam Silver. Say what you want about Silver. And by say what you want, don't say that he should have his ears stapled. And that you know you can fix that, right, Rome? Yeah, I do know, clones. Just as I know that it's not his fault that he possesses the largest damn pair of ears ever documented and chooses nothing to do about anything to do about that. I don't care about that. His ears, his choice, I don't care. Control the controllables. He's got no control over that set of ears. However, he can control how he handles the Sarver situation, and he's handling it a hell of a lot different than he did the Sterling case. And yes, of course, these are two different situations. But the question is, how different are they really? Because the two sets of punishments are really, really different. Again, this guy hit hard when TMZ dropped that recording of Donald Sterling going full-blown jackass back in the day. And Silver was very clear about why he hit as hard as he did, why he was personally outraged by that. So my question is, I understand these two situations are different, but how is this this different? And why does he sound so different this time around? And why does he no longer have the power or the authority to bring the hammer down the way he did with Sterling? I mean, damn, he sounds like Eric in Orlando almost. Like, I don't have the right to take away his team. I have the right to take away his team. I don't fish on boats, okay, Matt? I fish on a, on a boat. I mean, what are we doing here? Pretty bizarre since we know that he can, in fact, force an owner out. Since we already watched him do it once. For, again, his words, quote, sentiments contrary to the principles of inclusion and respected form the foundation of our diverse, multicultural, and multi-ethnic league. End of quote. That's what he said. He could not be any more upfront about that when it related to Donald Sterling. Meanwhile, here is what the NBA's independent investigation found with regards to Sarver this week. Sarver, quote, said the N-word 
at least five times in repeating or purporting to repeat what a black person said. He, quote, used language and engaged in conduct demeaning of female employees. He, quote, commented and made jokes frequently to employees in large and small settings about sex and sex-related anatomy. He, quote, on four occasions engaged in workplace inappropriate physical conduct toward male employees. He, quote, once unnecessarily dropped his underwear and exposed his genitals to a male employee who was on his knees in front of Sarver performing a fitness check. This is, these are all parts of an NBA independent investigation. In fact, all of that is word for word from the report that the NBA put out this week. And that's not even all of it. Go read it for yourself. It's 43 pages long. Not a real fun read either, by the way, but you can go read it for yourself. It seems to me that all of that would fit into the category of, quote, sentiments contrary to the principles of inclusion and respect. You know, the very thing that Silver cited when he ran Donald Sterling the hell out of the league. Now, I'm not saying these situations are exactly the same. I'm not. Clearly, they're not. However, one dude got banned for life for life, and no longer owns that franchise. The other dude got a slap on the wrist, a one-year suspension, and a $10 million fine. Essentially nothing. Like, those two results do not line up. And I'm not the only one saying it. Part of the reason that Sterling got run out the way he did was the players were furious. They were furious, and there was talk of a boycott, and they weren't having it. Initially, there was not that reaction. But now there's more of that. Here is LeGM's reaction to the Silver Presser yesterday. He tweets, LeBron James, quote, Read through the Sarver stories a few times now. I got to be honest, our league definitely got this wrong. I don't need to explain why. Y'all read the stories and decide for yourself. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. There is no place in this league for that kind of behavior. I love this league. I deeply respect our leadership, but this isn't right. There is no place for misogyny, sexism, and racism in any workplace. Don't matter if you own the team or play for the team. We hold our league up as an example of our values, and this ain't it. In this case, LeGM, quote, ain't wrong. He's actually right. He's as right here as he was wrong when he said the Lakers season was, quote, not a failure. Or when he decided to ruin the Space Jam franchise forever. And it wasn't only LeBron. In fact, Sarver's own superstar, the nut puncher, piled on too. At CP3, quote, Chris Paul now, quote, I am of the view that the sanctions fell short in truly addressing what we can all agree was atrocious behavior. My heart goes out to all the people that were affected. End of quote. Pretty tough to see it any other way. Which brings us back to Adam Silver's comments yesterday and that absurd claim that, quote, the consequences are severe here. End of quote. Actually, Adam, they're not. They're not severe here. It's a slap on the wrist. In fact, saying a slap on the wrist, that they're a slap on the wrist, is an insult to wrist slaps. The consequences to Sarver were about as severe as a walk in the park. $10 million to that guy is chump change. Walk around money. Now, Silver will say to you, yes, but it's the maximum fine allowed by the NBA. All right. But just don't tell me that finding that guy 10 mil is severe. It's not. It's walk around money for that guy. It's nothing. It's five bucks to you and me. Don't tell me that's severe for him because it's not. Also, I'm not saying that Sterling and Sarver are apples to apples. I'm not saying it's one and the same. I'm just saying compare the situations and then compare the two punishments. And it doesn't make sense. Just like the right-hand-arm-man-woman doesn't make sense. 
And Sarver should be happy that he does not have a right-hand arm man-woman because if he did, he wouldn't have the Phoenix Suns anymore. Because if there were any video or any recording of any kind, we'd be having a very different conversation. So I didn't get to this until the top of Hour 3 clones, but it's serious. We can't just sit around and make jokes like having CP3 punch him in the nuts every day for a year while he's suspended. Can't have that. Let me just ask you, does the punishment fit the crime? If you believe that Sterling's punishment fit his crime, then this punishment does not fit Sarver's crime. As for Adam Silver, the guy could not have looked any better or any tougher or any stronger or any more of a leader when he brought that hammer down as hard as he did on Sterling. Nor could he look any worse or more hypocritical than he looked yesterday in hemming and hawing and trying to navigate his way through that presser. Rob Manford had to be like, yeah, I like that hypocrisy. Yeah, I like that hypocrisy. Good night, no!